0: And welcome to the Week 48 Grain by Train podcast. I'm Greg Northey, and as always, I'm joined by Milt Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. Thanks for joining me today, Milt. Hi, Greg. So last week, we got into the Lytton uh, wildfires and the impact on the network. And something we've talked about on this podcast, but is often at the tips of everyone's uh, tongue around rail service is, is our network? is our current transportation network? Does it have the resiliency? Does it has, have the recoverability that's necessary uh, to meet Canada's export demands and the demands of the Canadian economy? And there's a lot of talk right now around these, these wildfires and whether that uh, has some kind of relation to that, whether a natural disaster like this uh, can be lumped within the same category? as discussions around whether our system itself uh, is is resilient. Uh, curious on your take on that, just in general around what it means to have a resilient recoverable or, or resilient network that that has the ability to recover and it can serve the needs of shippers and the situation that we have now where we have a natural disaster wildfire that can really knock out a network.
1: Well, as you said in, in the opening, you know, that Shippers in particular, uh, stakeholders within the um, rail supply chain have talked about the concept or the idea of network resiliency. Other times people call it recoverability. It's also been referred to as surge capacity. It's been talked about for a long time. Um, and, And industry stakeholders, shippers primarily, have argued for a number of years Um, that CN and CP, you know, have streamlined their operations uh, significantly um, in the pursuit of profit. And a streamlined network obviously is beneficial to the cost structure of the railway, and that's what's going to drive profit. And no business, whether it's a railway or other, you know, wants to have what they would term as idle assets or underutilized assets hanging around because that just increases cost. But the argument that the, and, and streamlining your network, whether it's train crews or locomotives or cars or whichever asset class you want to choose can be a good thing. There's no question about that. And it's fine while the system is operating well, the issue gains profile when, the system stops operating well generally when there's some form of a disruption to the network. And the argument that shippers or or customers of railways make generally is that customer service broadly uh, defined is being sacrificed for railway profit. And if you recall our conversation of a number of weeks ago on the precision scheduled railroading model, and you know, that was brought to North American railways by uh, Hunter Harrison. That's exactly the argument that shippers made around that, which was: it's all good for the railway. It's all good for the railway, but it's not really good for customers because, at the end of the day, we're the ones that suffer or don't see the benefits.
0: So, is so- the is the are are the wildfires part of of this discussion, or at least this? I mean, the wildfires are are an example of a sort of natural disaster. Is that, is that part of this? Is it one and the same or, or do we have to separate their thinking around these?
1: Well, f- for me, um, not really. This, th- this situation that we're facing right now is, is not what I would, you know, categorize as that broader discussion around resiliency, recoverability, et cetera. And here's why. It's one thing to have your rail network shut down by forest fires, which you could describe as an act of God, if you will, to the point where your main line in this situation, your arguably your most important corridor to the Port of Vancouver for both CN and CP, is rendered completely impassable. Um, that's not the same thing, for instance, if you are having operating difficulties in that corridor because of harsh winter conditions, you know, which we see every year, extended severe cold snowstorms, et cetera. They do hamper operations, but they tend to slow operations. They don't tend to completely cut off operations. So the, dis- the nature of the disruption is different in this case, you know, we're facing a situation where frankly, no amount of resources, whether they be train crews or cars or locomotives are going to get the Vancouver corridor working faster and more productively than it otherwise would. And the reality is that the constraint right now on capacity in that corridor is physical track capacity, you know, effectively the absence of it Um, And it's not about whether you have enough train crews or enough cars or enough locomotives in order to be able to compensate for a slowing of the network. In this case, if your track is not operational, because half the track is burned away and you need to replace hundreds, if not thousands of railway ties, and you can't get to the site where you need to do the work because of the ongoing situation and right now governed by safety issues, You know your recoverability factor if you will at least in the short term is really out of your control like you can't do anything until you can get in and fix the problem and you can have all the cars crews, and locomotives you want it's not going to help you with this particular issue having said that other constraints are likely going to come into play as they start to dig themselves out of this short-term problem so the track will become passable and 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 we know that CP's track became passable four days or so into this but it's not like you know you open the door and everything starts again so you now have to deal with a backlog of traffic for all sectors including grain I mean and when you think about grain to the port of Vancouver it's you know it's a portion of the traffic but it's far from all of the traffic so as you start to work your way through that kind of an exercise what you will eventually end up with is a lack of train crews in that particular corridor. So let's say Kamloops to Vancouver. Um, locomotives will become displaced because locomotives tend to operate in the network environment with a specific cycling plan. So you go into Vancouver, you come out of Vancouver, in some cases intermodal, they take those same locomotives and they move them halfway across the country. So all of that gets disrupted and now you're gonna end up with you know, localized shortages. And what that will do is it will, you know, further delay, if you will, um, the return to normal. Now, how that is different from say a winter disruption, which we have all the time, every year, it's like an annual event. And really the kind of the one that people use as the classic example of system resiliency or, or recoverability, in those cases, the argument is fairly simple. You know, as I said earlier, railways have slashed their assets to the bone to optimize their operation, maximize their profits. And that takes all of the slack out of the system. So the railways plan on running you know, 12,000 foot trains or 8,000 foot trains of certain kinds at certain times and the locomotives and the crews are all planned you know, very precisely to be able to handle all of those movements. So when something goes sideways like a snowstorm or extreme cold for an extended period of time, when uh, train lengths need to be shortened and you need to run more trains, if you will, in order to be able to move the same traffic, that's when the lack of slack or redundancy uh, for the assets in the system starts to penalize the system and specifically shippers as opposed to the railway. Um, because you don't have the excess crews or the excess locomotives necessarily to run more shorter trains to be able to move the same amount of traffic in the same amount of time. Shippers have often argued that, and and the debate is about who bears the cost and it always has been and and likely always will be who bears the cost for those surge assets to be available when they have those kinds of, of situations to build in a resiliency or a recoverability factor in the railway. So why does this penalize shippers and not railways? Well, shippers rely on the railway for timely service and that timely service, uh, not just for grain, but for other commodities is tied to broader supply chain plans. If you think about grain, for instance, you know, they order or schedule their vessels as much as 90 days out. So, you know, that's all tied to, when they plan to have grain at their terminals and that's tied to when they plan to move grain from their elevators, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when that timing gets thrown off because there's a disruption in the railway system like a storm or extreme cold and the railways are not able to bring more capacity to bear um, to resolve that issue, it, it disrupts the broader supply chains of shippers. Railways, however, um, I guess I, I hesitate to use the word fortunate, but, you know, are fortunate or take the view that that surge capacity is less important for them because those kinds of short-term disruptions don't necessarily, for the most part, tend to disrupt their longer medium-term or long-term business because the demand for rail service Um doesn't tend to go away. And the reason for that is that in the rail world, as as most shippers would tell you, a lot of the traffic, the majority of the traffic is not uh, truly competitive, either from one railway to the other or modally competitive. You can't move grain to the Port of Vancouver or the Port of Thunder Bay or anywhere else uh, using trucks. So rail is it. Um, and if you look at how the networks are divided, there's you know, not a lot of shippers can choose between CN or CP to serve a particular elevator. There are cases, don't get me wrong, but generally speaking, you know, those facilities are captive to an individual railway. So, you know, intermodal is a different animal because it's very competitive. It's very time sensitive, which, you know, shippers would argue explains why the railways tend to prioritize that traffic coming out of disruptions. But for the most part, um, the lack of recoverability or resiliency in the rail network is, is not as punitive to the railway as it is to the railway's shippers. So just to wrap that up, you know, both situations are real. They're not the same. And the solutions for each are a little bit different.
0: Yeah. So, so in the case of an outage like that, or uh, with the fires, it's, you know, when, when it's time to recover for the railways, it, it really is, a, it's not necessarily that there's not enough, everything's so displaced that, that the time, the recovery is really just about moving what assets they have in the, in the right position. So even if there were more, um, essentially, it, it wouldn't really matter regarding the recover, their recoverability.
1: Yeah, that's right. And by the way, the other thing is when you have a situation like we have now um, with the wildfires, um, the, the railways have tools that they can implement in order to try and control the impact on their network. And they're doing that now, right? they CN both CNCP have put embargoes, broad embargoes on all of the traffic um, going to and from Vancouver. So that keeps new traffic from coming onto their networks and creating further congestion, and they can focus on resolving that very specific issue that they have. So, um, as opposed to you know a more generalized disruption like extreme cold, uh, not the kind of situation where the railway can implement those kinds of tools like embargoes. Um, so it's it, it's broader, it's less focused. And, and the answer to getting out of it is very different than the answer to getting out of a situation where we have a very localized problem, like the issue with the wildfires.
0: Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. And it, it, it's a really good, I think, differentiation, The, 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 the situation with winter and just this general, um, Discussion around assets and that the assets available to to shippers in, in these times of year, and the, the fact that they're not necessarily there all the time, and, and your, your your explanation around that is um, is very is very useful as far as the, the choices that railways are making in those particular uh, situations. Well, Mel, thanks a lot for that; much appreciated. Um, for those of you who would like to see the report, www.agtransportcoalition.com, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.